Amen. Let's take our Bibles tonight and open together, please, the book of 2 Peter, uh, 2 Peter chapter number 2. And of course, this is, a, this is one, of, uh, uh, one of my favorite books to study, and I, I trust that, that you come to enjoy it and love it as much as I do. I remember years and years ago, it must have been in 2003, it had to have been in 2003, I think this was one of the first passages of Scripture, one of the book, first books I developed a sermon out of. I feel bad for those people uh, that had to suffer through that. But of course, we're thankful for uh, this particular letter. Uh, P- Peter is writing at the end of his life, really on the brink of martyrdom. Um, he, and under, the inspired, uh, under the inspiration of God, he pens a profound letter reminding us of all we have in Christ, reminding us of the dangers and perils of false doctrine and false teachers, and reminding us of the promises God has in store for his children. And as we come tonight, we pick up where we left off here in, in 2 Peter chapter number 2. I know it's been a few weeks, so maybe just remember in, in the first uh, verse, the Bible says, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. The Bible says in verse 1, who, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift, swift destruction. If we were to, to give an emphasis an overwhelming summation of what the Bible says in chapter 2, that would be the verse that would summarize everything that God warns us of here in chapter number 2. There are false prophets also among the people. And, but I'm thankful for the promises of God. I'm thankful that God is faithful. And in, in the next few verses, remember, we see the promises of God concerning his children, and we see the testimony that God extends uh, of his faithfulness and goodness to his people through the lives of, of Noah, who, of course, was uh, undoubtedly a righteous man, a godly man. God spared him uh, and his family as, as they were placed in the ark. As they baptized themselves in the ark, they were safe from uh, from the destruction that was brought upon the world by the flood. How many of you have been to the Ark Encounter? Anybody? We finally took our kids there the other day. And uh, just seeing, and of course, a lot of it is left up to artistic interpretation. We understand this. But the sheer size of that boat is incredible. And uh, just the door, and, and anyhow, we're thankful for, for God's testimony of his love and grace for his people. God does not appoint his children under wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we see another, perhaps an unlikely candidate in the life of Lot, who the Bible refers to as just Lot, and how he vexed his righteous soul from day to day, of course, as he, as he went and, and lived there in the city and, and took his place there by the gate, and, and all the sin, all of the all of the temptations of life there in Sodom uh, became manifest in his home. But God is merciful. And God delivered just Lot. I like how God describes him as just Lot. He was, a, he was backslidden without question. But he knew the Lord. And he was justified by his faith in Christ. And God spared him from the wrath, the destruction of those cities. But tonight, as we continue here, uh, as I said, in, in, uh, I was talking with Brother John, as, pray for him. This is some really heavy stuff tonight. Some really, uh, it's interesting. And it, it's something that we don't often want to talk about. But we do ourselves a great disservice to ignore such topics. And if you're able, I invite you to stand with me tonight. We're going to read, beginning in verse number 10. And read down through verse number 16 of chapter 2 of 2 Peter. The Bible says, But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord, but these as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness, as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are, 
and blemishes, sporting themselves of their own deceivings while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, and, and heart have they exercised with covetous practice, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of, of Boser, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumb ass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. Father, we thank you for the word of God. And Lord, our prayer tonight is that you would open our eyes, that we may behold wondrous things from thy law. Lord, this is a, a challenging passage of scripture to deal with uh, in a sermon. We understand the truth, the warning that you've extended to us, and how we must be watchful uh, concerning these things. But, Lord, our prayer is that you would give us greater insight and understanding as to what we must be on guard against. And so, Lord, we pray that you'd speak to us tonight and, and challenge us and help us to know the truth more. And, uh, Lord, just guide us, direct us, and, uh, Lord, may, may you speak to us. May you show us these things tonight. Lord, may we see some things that even our world is promoting more and more heavily in these hours. So God, we trust you for your help tonight. We pray for your blessing now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bibles, I'd like to draw your attention to what the Bible says at the end of verse number 16. Of course, we're introduced to a man here who is notorious. When we hear the name Balaam, we often think of the donkey that spoke to him as he went out to curse the children of Israel, God's chosen people, as they traveled uh, through the wilderness, uh, making their way to the promised land. Where we think of uh, not just Balaam, but we also think of, of King Balak, who hired him to conspire against God's people and to curse them. And, and we think that he would stop at nothing and, and how he was always looking for, uh, for the reward. That's what he was after. He wanted the money. Uh, he wanted uh, to make ba uh, uh, Balak happy. He wanted to, to have the prestige, the fame, whatever it was. But he disobeyed God and found himself on a, on a journey that did not end well for him. Now we're introduced to Balaam first in, in Numbers chapter 22. In Numbers chapter 31, we find how Balaam dies. Understand this, Balaam died. And he died for good reason. Because whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. He, he, it was the wages of unrighteousness that, that Balaam entered into. But we think of this man, Balaam. And, and, the, and the Bible describes him speaking of the madness of the prophet. Would you mark that statement there in verse number 16? The madness of the prophet. When we think of the word madness, the word madness simply means the insanity. This man was insane. You know, as I think of insanity, what is the definition of insanity? Isn't it doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome? It's insane. There are things that take place in the world today that are that are insane. There are things taking place in what many would deem Christianity that we would look at and say, this is ridiculous, this is madness, this is insane. And we think in our pride, and this is all it's rooted in, we think that we're so much better and that if we do it, it's like socialism, right? Socialism on a political level has never worked. On an economic level, it has never worked. But we're foolish enough to think that we can make it work. Yeah. Insane. It's insane. But may I tell you, so is false doctrine. Right. We think, well, I can allow this music into my, into my life. We can bring it into our church and, you know what, we're just going to take it this far and we're not going any further than that. You know what, that's what they all say. You cannot have their music without accepting their doctrine behind the music. Christian, we must be on guard against the insanity, the madness of the prophet. And tonight, there are three 
trademark characteristics that, that God shows us here in these seven verses of Scripture that will help us better see, better understand, uh, better guard against the madness of the prophet. Would you write these things down, and I, I believe they'll be of a great help to you. The first is simply this. They are, they are driven by the temporal. They are driven by the temporal. Look back at what the Bible says in verse number 10. The Bible says, But chiefly them that walk after the flesh and the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. You know, they walk after the flesh. They are temporal and consider not the things of God. They are more consumed with, uh, with the cares of this life than they are with the things of, of God. They are temporal. To be temporal means that we are so focused on what we can see. But we remember what the Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse 3. The Word of God tells us, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, the Bible says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. You see, there are things that, we, that are temporal. Things that we see tonight. And then there are things that we do not see tonight. And as God's people, you and I are to be more concerned by what we don't see than what we do see. We are to live by faith. We're to trust the Lord. You know, there's there so much uh, confusion in the world today. There is so much instability in the world today. Do you realize that the world is teetering right now? The world is on the brink of war. If you watch, and there are wars going on right now, but there is so much more beyond what you and I can see that should startle us. But we fail in the sense that we live ignorantly to these things. We, we, are only, we only care about what we can see. And that is exactly what these False prophets do. They only care about what they can see. How do we know that? Because of the word that is used there in verse number 10. The Bible says, it uses the word presumptuous. Would you mark that word in your Bible? Presumptuous. It's the only time that specific word is used in, in your Bible. Presumptuous. And it means uh, to be daring. To be shameless. To be irreverent. In other words, we live with no care for God. They, we live irreverently. You and I, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 30, it says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Our lives as God's children are to be characterized by reverential worship of the true and living God. The Bible tells us in John chapter 4 that the Father seeketh such to worship Him and that you and I are to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And we see here that there is no concern for the things of God. It's all facade. It's only what you see. And what you see is not always what you want when it comes to these false prophets. The Bible says, hold your place here in 2 Peter. Look with, you. Look with me, if you would, please, the book of Revelation. The Revelation of Jesus Christ, chapter 16. We think of how irreverent people are. How shameless uh, people can be. How daring uh, our lives can become if we're not careful. And may I preface this, you and I, we all have, there's, there's the danger for all of us. We could all slip into apostasy. We must guard our hearts and try everything that we do based upon the authority of God's word. And the Bible says this, and of course this is speaking of, of the tribulational events. Uh, much heartache is taking place in Revelation chapter 16. The world is being destroyed. The wrath of God is being poured out upon it. But the Bible says in verse number 9 of Revelation chapter 16, and, and men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God. 
which hath power over these plagues. And the Bible says, and they repented not to give him glory. You see, we are living in a world, remember, it's, it's all about what people can see. It's the perception. But what you see is not what you get. Uh, there, there is so much, man, my, I'm trying not to, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? I'm trying not to, I don't know. There's so much going on in Christianity today that is deeper than what you can see. The outwardly, outwardly, we, we profess to love the Lord. Outwardly, we, we say we're worshiping God. Outwardly, we say we, we, we agree with the Bible, that we believe with the Bible. And, but inwardly, that's, that's not the case. It's presumptuous. But notice what else it is. And this is proof that they're driven by the temporal. The Bible says in, in verse uh, let's, back in verse number 11, it says, They are self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. The, word, the term self-willed means to be ruled by self-interest. How does it affect me? How, how, can I, how can I promote myself? It's on self-promotion. We want to be seen. We want to have the laud and praise of man. We want the glory, but we don't want to give the glory to whom it truly deserves. We don't want to give glory to God. We want to be glory stealers. We want to be glory hogs. But God is worthy. God alone deserves the glory. But these men, they're ruled by self-interest. How does this affect me? What will people think of me? Will I get invited to the big meetings? Will I be invited to speak? It doesn't matter. The reality is, we must allow ourselves not to be driven with this temporal desire to be seen of men. Because let me tell you, didn't, didn't Christ condemn the Pharisees? You know, they, they'll get, they'll, if, that's, if that's what they want, that's what they're going to get. That's what Jesus said. If all they want is the recognition of man, hey, here you go. But be careful. Self, governed by self-will. The Bible goes on to say in verse number 10, it says, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. This denotes an, an attitude of disdain and disrespect to all especially those deserving of honor and virtue uh, by, uh, honor just by virtue of their position and isn't it interesting and i'm going to i'm going to paint a broad stroke here we must guard ourselves let me tell you i pray for president biden why because of the position he holds um I try to not, and I know at times I probably have mocked him, and I shouldn't do that. Or just calling him by his last name, Biden. Why well, didn't I didn't vote for him? I didn't either. But he's President Biden. And it's by virtue of his position that we give him honor because truly all power is of God and the powers that be are ordained of God though we may not agree with those who hold the position it's important that we honor those who are in that position because God put them there we don't know why God put them there and sometimes we wish God hadn't most of the time we wish he hadn't but we pray for them. And there's a prime example. How many of you read the story in, in the book of Acts? When, when the Apostle Paul stood before King Agrippa. 
Do you realize that every time Paul stood before a dignitary, he honored their position? Even though he never agreed with it. Even though they sought to take his life. Even though they were at complete odds with the gospel, he still answered them according to their title, King Agrippa. The Bible goes on in verse number 11. Look what the Word of God says here. It says, Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. You know, it's interesting. The angels show great restraint. And such restraint on the part of the angels only adds to the folly of men who do what angels dare not do. You see, it is important for us to honor all men. Look what the Bible says back in, in 1 Timothy, if you would please. 1 Timothy, chapter number 2. How can I best honor these people? The Bible says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Who does God instruct us to pray for? He instructs us to pray for kings and all who are in authority. And the reason is so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. So that my religious liberty does not fall in jeopardy. We pray for the leaders of our land. We pray for those in our country. And, and the reality is here, if, we're not, if we are unwilling... In, to give the people who hold positions of power in our lives, if we're, not, if, we're careful, if we're not careful to give them honor, it will be very, very difficult. They'll become so much easier, actually, for us to not give God honor. You know, I can see, uh, we, can, we can get our, our phones out, we can look online, and we can go to these websites, and we can see pictures of these people who hold uh, positions of government leadership. We can, we can turn on the television and we can watch them uh, give speeches and national addresses. And, but I've never seen God face to face. And if I'm, not, if I'm unwilling to honor those that God has set in authority over my life, in reality, I am not honoring God. Because God put them there. And we need to be very, very cautious in how we deal with this. But one of the telltale signs of an apostate, of a false prophet, a false teacher, is that they don't care about anybody but themselves. What they, how people see them. They're temporal. They're driven by the temporal. Notice the second thing we see here Back in, in 2 Peter, chapter number 2, we find also that they are desirous of the carnal. They are desirous of the carnal. The Bible says in verse number 12, but these as natural brute beasts. Note that statement there in your Bible. Natural brute beasts. The term natural refers to the carnal. According to God's word, a natural man is unable to discern God's word. For instance, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, the Bible says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. However, Peter is not referring to simply carnal Christians. He is speaking of the lost man. And he's describing these false prophets, these false teachers, in, a, in, a, in a, an amazing word picture that he's given as natural brute beasts. Natural, carnal, driven by the fleshly appetites. My, my, our friends, years ago we had friends, they had this amazing dog. It was an English bull mastiff. The, the, the dog's name was Ramses. It was... It was an amazing dog, huge, just a gigantic dog. And he had those big, like, 
jowls, you know, the, the, the droopy cheeks on him. And, and he would always, it, it, was, it, was, it was gross. He, his, our friend had to walk around with a rag and continually wipe the slobber off this dog's jowls. Because every time that dog saw food, he began to salivate. Why? Because he was driven by his fleshly appetites. These, these men, they're carnal. They're, they're driven by the flesh. By their fleshly appetites. It, there's, there's nothing spiritual about them. It's all rooted in carnality. But the Bible takes it a step further. Not only are they natural, not only are they carnal, but they are described as being brute. How many of you have ever heard the term brutish? What does it mean to be brutish? It means to be stupid. It means to be dull. It means to be dumb. They're they're natural, brute beasts. A beast, something that is untamable. Something that cannot be corralled. Something that, that is wild by nature. Lawless. Without, unable to, to restrain. This is the picture that God is painting for us of these false prophets. They are natural brute beasts. They are, uh, they are, they are desirous of the carnal. Look what the Bible says here. The Bible goes on, he begins, he continues to describe them. He said, made to be taken and destroyed. Speak evil of things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. There's a lot of brutish people in the world, isn't there? I mean, you turn on the news, and there's a bunch of people talking about things they know nothing about. You can go to a university campus, and you can find a bunch of people talking about things that they know nothing about, and being paid thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to do so. They're, 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 they're brutish. But the Bible goes on here, and he, he says in verse 13, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness. What is the result here? The result is the reward of unrighteousness. The Bible in verse number, uh, verse number 12 says, shall utterly perish in their own corruption. At the end of verse number 16, the Bible speaks of the wages of unrighteousness. You see, that's the end. That's the end. But the Bible goes on to say, and he continues, he says in verse 13, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness. Notice, as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Riot in the daytime. Mark that statement. The term daytime means between dawn and dusk. It used to be years ago that the unspeakable things only happened in the darkness. It used to be that you didn't talk about certain things. They were taboo. You didn't address them. You know, all the like, immorality. Um, all of these things, they happened at night. You know, you can go, you can ride with the police, and nothing good ever happens after midnight. Never. Why? Because wickedness takes place in the darkness. Look what the Bible says as Jesus speaks in John chapter 3. Turn there with me if you would please. John chapter 3. And notice what Jesus says in in verse number 19. The Bible says here, he says, And this is the, uh, the condemnation that light has come into the world. Notice, and men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds are evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, uh, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So we love darkness rather than light because our deeds are evil. But now there's riot in the daytime. Before we would hide our sins, 
We would cover them up. We would, we, we would go down some shady dark alley. We would, we would practice them alone in the darkness in the middle of the night. But now, sin is on the front page. But now, it's openly promoted. And may I tell you, the things that we're thinking of, they've been going on for years. Think about fornication, adultery, uncleanness, lasciviousness, concupiscence, all of these things, all of these sins, they are being praised and promoted in the public eye. But the Lord's not talking about the things that the world is doing. The Lord is not warning us against the brothel. We understand that a whore is a deep ditch. The Lord's not warning us here of immorality. We understand the perils of immorality. We understand the perils of drug abuse and addiction. That's not the, those are not the things he's speaking of here. He's speaking of the sins of religion that are being practiced before your very eyes. And you know what? Sometimes we're too simple to understand it. There is, Christians, there is danger lurking, and it's not in the shadow. It's not in the darkness any longer. It's front and center. How many of you have ever heard the term necromancy? Five of us. Congratulations. Necromancy. Let me define it for you. It's the act of communicating with the dead. Necromancy. Here's another term. Spiritism. How many of you have ever heard the term spiritism before? Hey, now we're getting more bold here. We're raising our hands. I don't want pastor to think I'm dumb. I don't mean... <laughs> spiritism. Spiritism, an evolution uh, form of religion that is present in most contemporary Christian music. Here's another term. Theosophy? How many of you have ever heard of theosophy before? Theosophy is an occult philosophy that promotes oneness with God through personal experience, spiritual ecstasy, and direct intuition. It's dangerous stuff. The wicked. Here's another one. Astral projection? How many of you have ever heard of astral projection? This is uh, an esoteric term used to describe an out-of-body experience. But it's everywhere. And in 99% of all contemporary churches, all charismatic churches, churches that are pursuing the New Apostolic Reformation, This is all trendy stuff. You turn on your, your Christian radio station in Columbus. And I use the term Christian loosely here. And all of that, every last one of those things, is being pumped into you. There are churches in America that teach children how to have an out-of-body experience. That promote this gyration of the body, the spiritual ecstasy, this necromancy, communicating with dead people. In the name of Christ. Christians, we must be on guard. This rioting in the daytime. And they masquerade around like an angel of light. And if you don't agree with him, you're the strange person here. But I'm, I'm telling you that these things are dangerously evil. That's right. 
you can't even trust Disney anymore. There's a new, there's a new, and there's a new Disney thing that's just come out about a red panda. I forget the name of it. But that creature is the girl's spirit animal. They're teaching your children to rebel against authority. Teaching your, your children witchcraft. Teaching your children things that you as a parent should be the one teaching them. Rebellion. Christians, we must be on guard there's, a, there's another movie out. It was a Christian movie. I'm not, I don't remember the name of it. But I read a review. And the one who reviewed it said it's nothing more than Christian pornography. That it's only because of the, the strange camera angles that you do not see full nudity in the movie. But it's Christian. No, it's riot in the daytime. And you know the scary, scary part is that it does not simply affect me. Look what the Bible says back in first, I'm sorry, back in second, second Peter. The Bible says riot in the daytime, spots they are in and blameless, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. They're deceiving you. And we allow them to come in. We allow them to feast with us. We, we invite them into our homes. We, we, we sit around and we entertain them. And they all the while, they're not doing nothing more than deceiving us. But I look pretty. I look right. I sound right. I'm promoting myself to be something that I am not. But they're deceitful. Do you want a great commentary on 2 Peter chapter 2? Read the book of Jude. It's a great commentary on 2 Peter chapter 2. The Bible goes on to say, having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sin. Beguiling unstable souls. What makes my soul unstable to where I can be beguiled, where I can be deceived and tricked by the false teachings and false corruption, the false religion of the day? It's uh, no, those things that I just read, those terms, those names, that's nothing more than Eastern religion masquerading itself as Bible Christianity, and it is dangerous. But why, can, why, why, why would I be beguiled? How? Because I'm unstable. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. But the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You know what we need to do? We, need to, uh, we, we discussed it this morning. We need to renew our mind. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We must be very, very cautious. We must seek to develop the mind of God in our lives. But notice, in verse 14 it says, And heart... They have exercised with covetous practices. How do you like to exercise? You know, I exercise to get stronger. The reality is, I should die daily. I should not be exercising my carnality. I should not be exercising the desires of my flesh. I must mortify my members with the affections and lusts. But instead of, of 
starving my flesh, I'm feeding it. Instead of being spiritual, becoming more and more carnal. Instead of becoming more like the Christ who is in, who is in me, I'm becoming more like the world that is around me. But that's not even the worst part. The last two words in verse number 14 sum it up. Cursed children. Cursed children. Wow. It's a sobering statement, isn't it? How can my children become cursed? Hosea, the prophet, warns us saying, my children are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And our children are cursed because of our lack of knowledge. These are serious things. You know, they're very heavy. But what I allow in my home, even in the guise of religion, even someone like Lauren Daigle, who says she loves the Lord, but has no proof of that in her life, These modern contemporary artists who, who say they love the Lord, but they don't look a thing. They look more like the world than they do anything else. With the sounds of the world, the styles of the world. But it's Christian. Be careful. Because what will inevitably happen is that we will raise a generation of cursed children who will be deceived into a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. Look what the Bible says, would you please? In 2 Timothy chapter number 3, The Bible says, in verse number one, This know also, in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. Sounds pretty close. Almost exactly what Peter is warning us against in chapter 2 of 2 Peter. And he says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And then he gives us a command, a clear command. He says, from such, turn away. Because if we fail to turn away from these things, our children will be cursed. I don't want my children to be cursed. I don't want my children to grow up thinking they're okay. Thinking they're saved, but actually being lost. Well, I go to church and we sing these songs and and I read this book the other day. No. We must be very cautious what we permit, what we allow. We must be very discerning people. Don't take my word for it. Read it here. 
Do your own research. I promise you, these things are everywhere in Christianity. You know what they're teaching now? That God is actually a woman. It's true. That's why, let me, let me just, that's why masculinity is despised. If you look at the worship leaders of these modern churches, they're all effeminate. They want to be more girly than they do manly. And that's the byproduct of what they believe. Because they're trying to awaken the inner feminine. It sounds like the madness of the prophet. It sounds insane, but it's real. We must be careful. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. We notice the last truth we see here tonight. Back in 2 Peter chapter 2. Again, this goes to his insanity. <laughs> they're, they're driven by the temporal. They're desirous of the carnal. And in their insanity, they will be destroyed because of their unbelief. Look what the Bible says in verse 15. It says, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Boser, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumbass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. The wages of unrighteousness. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. That's the wage of unrighteousness. And the only way you receive that wage is by unbelief. These people who are trying to lead you to develop a stronger Christian life, they're not even saved. And we're the mad ones? Or they're the mad ones? We're the, we're the mad ones following them. We've got to be very, very careful. Like I said, I want you to look with me, please, as we close tonight, all the way back in the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter number 31. In chapter 22 of Numbers, Balaam is introduced to us. And his, his testimony, his, his story, his failure is carried on through the pages of God's word to act as a warning to us. You know what, Balaam, he didn't curse the children of Israel, but he told the Moabites how he, they could defeat the children of Israel. All because he loved the wages of unrighteousness. Well, he got what he asked for. In verse number 1 of Numbers 31, the Bible says, And the Lord spake, Unto Moses, saying, Avenge the children of Israel, the Midianites. Afterward uh, shalt thou be gathered unto thy people. And Moses spake unto the people, saying, Arm some of uh, yourselves unto the war, and let them go against the Midianites, and avenge the Lord of Midian. Of every tribe a thousand throughout all the tribes of Israel shall ye send to the war. So there were delivered out of the thousands of Israel, a thousand of every tribe, twelve thousand armed for war. And Moses sent them to the war, a thousand of every tribe, them and Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, to the war with the holy instruments and the trumpets to blow in, in his hand. And they warred against the Midianites as the Lord commanded Moses, and they slew all the males. And they slew the kings of Midian beside the rest 
of them that were slain, namely Evi and, and Rechem and Zur and Hur and Reba, five kings of Midian, Balaam also, the son of Beor, they slew with the sword. Huh. Amazing. The wages of unrighteousness. We've got to be on guard. We've got to understand the magnitude of what we're being warned against in 2 Peter chapter 2. Dangerous things that will not just lure you and lead you astray, but will cause your children to be cursed. Driven by carnality, you'll open yourselves up to all kinds of apostasy, spiritual wickedness in high places. What's the solution? This book is the solution. We've got to know the truth. There is an agenda that is being pushed at every level of society. And religion, church, is no different. Try the scripture. I'm sorry, try the spirits, whether they be of God. And ye shall know the truth the truth shall make you free. I don't want to be a liar tonight. I told you we were going to close just a moment ago. I want you one more, one more passage of scripture tonight. Back in 2 Peter, please. Forgive me. I intended well. Back in 2 Peter chapter 2, I want you to see what the Bible says in verse number 19. Because what they promise and what, what they give are not the same thing. Only Jesus can give you liberty. Only Jesus can give you freedom. The Bible says this in verse 19, While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, the same is he brought in bondage. Right. He bring, they bring, it's just bondage. Yeah. Amen. May God help us Amen. enter into the liberty that Jesus Christ alone can provide. Christians, make this book and keep this book your life's authority. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed.